Hey guys, welcome to the e-commerce paradise high ticket dropshipping podcast. And today I have a special guest on the show and he is a serial entrepreneur. He is the uh, founder of digital hero recruitment and he's been doing uh, e-commerce and all sorts of different business models for a long time now over a decade, um, including high ticket dropshipping. And I'm really excited to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Pav. Thank you very much for having me, Trevor. It's good to be here. Yeah, definitely. And it's really cool also to know that you're a fellow digital nomad and you've been traveling around a lot. Can you talk about that yeah. a little bit? Sure. Um, so r really my digital nomad journey, if you will, started a couple of years ago when I first came to London, uh, sorry, first came to, uh, to Thailand rather, what I'm at actually right now. Um, I remember at the time my business partner was actually getting married uh, to a Thai lady. And when I came here, I was just like blown away. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And then I was already kind of exposed to the digital nomad scene a little bit. But after I left that business, uh, which uh, was established in London, I took a one-way ticket to Thailand and I never really looked back. This was back in June 2017. So it's been nearly two years now. Time flies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Yeah, it's such an amazing journey um, coming out and exploring new cultures and stuff like that. What, what kind of drew you um, out to become a digital nomad in the first place? What, what happened before that that kind of uh, brought you this, this direction in life? Sure, sure. So th this actually goes back probably six years ago. At the time, I used to work for uh, Disney, Walt Disney in London. So uh, I was reading the Bible for a lot of digital nomads, which is a four-hour work week. So um, in there, I was just like, wow, this is amazing passive income and all these kind of things. This is, this is crazy. Like, it just really totally shifted my perspective. And at the time, what really kind of like, really drew my attention is in, in the book, there is a uh, chapter called Being Unreasonable and Unrealistic. And, you know, Tim is basically arguing, you know, we should shoot for like really high goals because the chances of you getting it is much greater since most people are really shooting low. And I sent an email to the Disney CEO of EMEA. I'm an intern, by the way. So I went to a, um, a talk. Uh, I you know, pieced a couple of things together. I sent him an email. Two, two days later, he says, oh, I'm very sorry that I didn't reply earlier. I'd love to personally meet you and walk you through this concept. I'm like, uh, wow, amazing. I'm like the only intern out of two, 300 interns at the time that really met him. And afterwards, I realized, wow, this stuff really works. And one thing led to the other, and you know, six years later, here I am. <laughs> what an awesome story! Uh, I would imagine that most, like ninety-nine percent of people, would never even thought about doing that. That's amazing that you just stepped out of your comfort zone and got that done, and 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 really just reached out. I mean, really just asked a mm. question, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, I was reading a book that he was reading at the time, and. I'm literally walking in this really big theater. There's probably 2,000 employees there. And he's talking, addressing the audience. Oh, you probably never heard about this book called Good to Great by Jim, um, Jim Collins, I believe. Yeah. I'm like, actually, I've heard about this book. So during my lunch breaks, I was actually reading, uh, listening to the book and taking concepts. So I took a basically concept from the book that he read, applied it to Disney, showed him an email. Before I'm, I'm shooting him an email, I'm thinking, okay, I'm an intern right now. The worst case scenario is that I get fired for sending an email to the CEO, or maybe he doesn't reply. So I hit send, and two, two days later, I coming, I'm coming to my desk in the morning, and then he's like, I started like, like just started jumping up and down. Everybody's just like working, like watching what's happening. So yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah that was great. Oh, it sounds like a good, good book to read. So you got listeners out there, definitely check that out. For, uh, what was it from good to great or? The name uh, yes. Good to great. Yes. Good to great. Yeah. 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 Definitely check that out. I'm a, 
I'm a big fan of classic entrepreneurship books. Uh, you know, how I got started was similar, just reading all sorts of books. Four Hour Workweek was one of the first ones that got me excited about it and listening to podcasts mm. and audiobooks and all that stuff. I think, you know, it, somebody really starts their journey to break free of the nine to five, break free of the kind of the false beliefs that we grow up understanding, like have to go to college and you have to get a job and you know you have to get a home and a car and all this stuff, you know, to, to live the right kind of life or whatever. Like you start breaking free of that and you go down this path in this kind of this rabbit hole. And it's just this amazing journey of like finding books, finding mentors, opening your mind, asking questions. And it's, it's interesting for me to see that somebody in such a high um, point was actually very open to accepting you um, into kind of his inner circle in a way to just sort of, you know, talk about a project because he could just see in you that your mind had expanded beyond like what normally people stick themselves into, which is like this little like jail cell of a belief where they have to like be an intern and, and work their way up to the system. You kind of just said, you know what, I believe in myself so much more than that. I'm going to skip past all that stupid stuff and, and just go straight to the source and, and start working on something amazing. It was just a Absolutely. I, I think I couldn't have said it better. Um, the moment I, I, the moment I told, because I was a little bit hesitant to really tell my, um, tell my co or coworkers or my colleagues or even my manager at the time, because uh, I was like thinking maybe they're gonna, you know, they're gonna give me some uh, some feedback about it. But what ended up happening is all four of them literally stopped whatever they're doing when I came back from the interview, when they, someone actually told them and all stopped, came to me and started asking me questions. They, some of them been working there for 15 years. They never got a chance to, to, to meet the CEO or even like the highest that they got is like a vice president or something like that. Um, and for, for an intern to come, which is, you know, English obviously is not my first language to actually come there and just have this kind of mentality with, bit of an immigrant mentality, you know, I can actually do, do this. Yeah, it was quite, quite, uh, quite amazing, actually, <laughs> looking back at it now. I, I always had that sort of uh, understanding of, of upper management when it comes to corporate businesses where, like, the, the managers themselves would almost just believe in themselves in a different way, and so they would just kind of get themselves into those little circles up in upper management. And I was always kind of in sales wondering, like, what the heck is up with this? Like, why, why am I sitting down here in sales making 12 bucks an hour or something like that in the U.S., you know, working mm -hmm. in, inside an office job, where all these guys can sit in their office all day, basically talk to people all the time and make, like, way more money than me. Um, it really didn't seem like it added up correctly. And then over time, I started realizing that the only reason they're able to do that is just because um, they feel differently about themselves. They believe in themselves more in a different way, and they're able to communicate better with other people. And so I started diving into um, how to communicate uh, with people and, and a lot wow. of what Anthony Robbins teaches and stuff like that, you know, interpersonal communication skills, um, sales mm -hmm. skills, marketing skills in general. It's all about just communication, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think, I think honestly, so, when you get to that level, it, things change for you. So that's pretty cool. Sounds like you had like a similar story. I, I got introduced really like fairly soon in, in personal development when I was in my very early 20s. And afterwards, I discovered NLP. I trained in that. And then that led to kind of sales techniques and a whole, you know, interpersonal communications. That really just blew my mind was actually possible. So it was exactly that, just really expanding my my mindset and my perspective about what's actually possible. And like you said, it all comes down to those beliefs. Yeah. It's such cool stuff. I, isn't it like you just, all you have to do is think something and then believe that it can actually happen and be true for you and then work towards mm -hmm. building a plan to actually make it happen and then just take action on that plan and, and things can happen. Like your greatest dreams, your wildest dreams can actually happen. Um, mm -hmm. You just have to believe in it. And I think it's like, it's the smallest thing and yet it's the biggest thing. 
in my opinion. I think, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes like to me, when people tell me oh, you should believe in yourself, I was like, yeah, like and nothing was, not, it, it kind of comes through one year and then goes through the other. I, really, I realized over time that if I had a little bit of experience under my belt and afterwards someone tells me that it re resonates a lot more because I have a reference experience to compare it with, oh, I should believe more in myself. And I think people really like to believe that there is like some big mysteries and some secrets that all the really successful people have. But I think all comes down to really this starting with self-belief and what actually you're doing is, is a value. And you can, you can actually make it. Yeah, it's amazing how what that alone can build for you as far as a lifestyle. And then just understanding like how different things work, especially like business models and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> I'm really curious, you know, before the call we were chatting and you said you were involved in many different e-commerce business models. Um, can you talk a little bit about your e-commerce journey and, um, and kind of what happened in, in the timeline of events? Sure, sure. Uh, good question. So, um, again, I was always, ever since I came to London, like maybe 10 years ago, I lived there for about seven or eight years, I was always kind of toying with different models. I really wanted to kind of dip my fingers in, in how things would work. So, at the time, I was um, really exploring with different business models. I was actually selling women's makeup, believe it, of all things, on eBay. So, that was my really kind of first entrepreneurial venture. Then I tried a couple of different things, tried to do SaaS models, uh, but that didn't really work until I discovered this uh, program called Project 1% uh, by a guy called Vince Wong. And then he was doing this, it was called the suitcase system. And he was doing a collaboration with Anton Crowley, which is the, you know, the high, um, high dropshipping uh, guy who teaches the courses. And at the time I, I didn't get in. So I started really just spamming them with emails. Like 20, I think I sent 21 consecutive emails every single day. That, and just said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm, I'm doing videos with my phone. Whatever it takes, I'm just kind of doing push-ups and trying to kind of pitch myself. Um, and they said no, and I continued. And afterwards, after like three or four weeks, just spamming them with emails, they said yes. So that's really how the whole uh, high-ticket dropshipping started for me. So I built a store. I found suppliers. I was, again, doing this whilst I was in university, believe it or not. Professors are looking at me 9, 8, 9 p.m. Why are you like still here? Oh, I'm calling the U.S. Uh, anyway, I'm like, I was like the freak there. Yeah. Um, so, but unfortunately, that didn't really go that well. I remember not really making that much money. I think I made some, some poor decisions when it comes to actually picking the niche. I chose way too many products, not the right price point, And I'm like scratching my head. And okay, that was a good playground. Let's move on. Yeah. Fast forward to, uh, you know, a couple of years later, because I worked in startups and big companies, um, I started with FBA uh, roughly two years ago, just before I uh, came to Thailand. And that went sort of okay. I uh, ordered a couple of products on Amazon, started selling, started making some money. And then one of my most profitable markets gets hit with, uh, uh, with uh, not with a lawsuit, but they say that I'm infringing someone's patent, which didn't come up in the research. Yeah. So... Eventually, I ended up making, making no money. In fact, I probably lost a couple of grand there, um, which was a bummer. But again, like from my perspective, even then, I was just like, okay, it's you know, one of those character building days, so I need to just move forward. Um, and then at the time, I started um, you know, hearing about dropshipping and AliExpress, and oh, that's the same as like what I used to do before, but just you know, a smaller ticket. So... At the time, one of my buddies was, was doing dropshipping. We, we met in this entrepreneurial house in uh, Niman in, in Chiang Mai. Yeah. And uh, I kind of started helping him out. I had some operational experience about how to structure things, build SOPs, et cetera, et cetera. 
And he, one day I think he came to me and said, you know, maybe we should do a store together. I was like, okay, cool. So we started this. I'm kind of doing the operations, the hiring, the managing, the training of the employees. He's doing the, the Facebook ads. And then within, I believe, two months, we started making six figures. Uh, and before I actually came, before, before I came to Thailand, I publicly announced this was on, on my YouTube channel that I'm going to be making, within six months, I'm going to be making 10K a month. I don't know how it's going to happen. I just put it out there. All my friends said, don't do it. You're going to embarrass yourself. And I remember June when I landed here in December, I just recorded the video to say that we, we got like, I don't know, four or $500,000 revenue or something like that in like four or five months. So um, I ended up hitting the go and that's been kind of my, my journey so far with e-commerce. Incredible, man. Well, it's amazing how you went on this kind of up and down journey for such a long time. And yet no matter what, you kind of stayed steady and like you fell a couple of times, but you got yourself back up. And you said, you know what, that's okay that I failed and I, you know, I forgive myself and I'm going to move on and I'm going to figure out why I failed. I'm going to uh, learn from this experience and do, and do better the next time. And then you met with a team of people, right? You made friends, you went into an entrepreneur house, kind of formed a mastermind group. You, uh, you pooled each other's uh, experiences and skills together and then you built this mm. amazing business. That's, that's really inspiring. That's, that's doing it right. That's cool, man. <laughs> I mean, I think my, I think it comes down to self-awareness. Like my, um, my um, kind of really power, superpower is really just being a, a chatty catty. I love talking to people. I love giving value. I'm a big believer that you should give more than you receive. And that always comes back to you intentionally or unintentionally just comes back. So I, I was like, okay, I don't have any, any, any partner next to me, fortunately or unfortunately. It's just me right now. It's my life. I'm living it on my terms. Should I make mistakes or I, I, I you know, pick up a, a few lessons along the way, but at the end of the day, I think it's not so much about the goal. Even if I didn't hit that goal of 10K a month uh, profit, it was really the person you become through that process. You know, you're more resourceful, you're more kind of, you know, prone to stress or you can deal with problems in a much more efficient way. So I think, yeah, it, as much as, as it sounds probably super corny, it's really about the process and the journey, as people say. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, you learn from all of the things that happen leading up to whatever you become truly successful with. And even when you're successful, it's not always guaranteed. You have to keep working at it and learn from your mistakes. Can you talk about kind of how, um, like maybe like some of the key factors that led to your success with that AliExpress dropshipping store that you and your friends had? I know you mentioned that um, you pulled together your skills. Um, you're really good at some things and they're really good at others. Um, what were some other things that were able to build such a great successful platform for you guys? Sure. So um, I think what really helped us was the fact that we can actually, we had a kind of really a 30,000 foot uh, view of the business and we realized, okay, we're actually working in the business as opposed to working on it. So we started kind of building SOPs and really tried to copy ourselves and start hiring a lot of virtual assistants to really make sure that we're maximizing our time and working on the right things. So we can actually automate the business to the point where it's serving us rather than us putting like super, super long hours, which, you know, you have to go through that. There's no, there's no way around it. Uh, but also just really looking at what really modeling success, looking at what our successful competitors are doing, how can we model things or maybe how can we do that better? I, I know that there's only so much things that you can do when it comes to drop shipping. You have to differentiate somehow. So we made sure that our um, creatives are really on point uh, we started really exploring with Instagram, using Instagram influencers. That was a big thing for us. Uh, also trying to test different things with email marketing, with Facebook ads, even a little bit with, with Google ads. 
So really try to leave no stone unturned. And again, it might be straightforward, but really some people kind of, they, they find some success and they just tend to stick with it rather than really try to explore what else is out there, you know? Yeah, I agree. If you, it, like for me and my experience, going deeper into any particular niche or any particular business model um, was always more lucrative in the long run, more profitable, more, uh, you know, more fulfilling in general. Um, if I just went deeper instead of trying to go wide and, and explore all these other different business models or other different niches. Um, mm-hmm. so it sounds like mm-hmm. you guys did that. You went deep into your business model and you explored which marketing channels were, you know, working really good. Did you find one marketing channel that happened to be way better at getting conversions than other ones? Yeah. Uh, Facebook ads hands down. Okay. Um, I think the, the kind of the split was probably 90, 90% coming from Facebook ads, 10% coming from um, Instagram influencers. And afterwards we slowly started picking up with uh, using email marketing, which also afterwards turned out to be quite a good uh, profit center for us. Uh, but again, it's all those things that you said, we really went vertical. Like we really tried to understand everything about the niche, how, you know, what are people talking? We created an avatar on the about us page, which is exactly matching what our potential customers look like and how they talk. So I think all of those things had a, a knock on effect, like really just setting uh, 1% improvements every day, uh, I think resulted in, you know, what we were able to achieve at the time. Yeah, that's great. It's really good to know about these kinds of things. So you guys are out there listening. Just understand if you're going to try AliExpress dropshipping, focus on the Facebook ads and make sure you have your email marketing in place and you have retargeting and stuff like that set up. But go deep into your niche, understand that industry and that market and the target customer because if you understand their needs really good, then you'll be able to market to them better. Um, Pat, thanks for those tips. And it's really cool how you've actually built digital hero recruitment out of these experiences that you've had in the past. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I know you were outsourcing everything maybe um you ended up deciding with your team that it would be great to start a business to help other people do a similar thing Mm -hmm. sure great question so it's actually me and a couple of two other business partners all of us actually have uh quite a lot of experience more more than like two years in e-commerce doing mostly aliexpress i've i've been done i've done a little bit of high ticket drop shipping so um, we did we did this for a while and afterwards realized mm, maybe there there's actually a niche or there is actually a, a, a potential need that we're addressing when it comes to really building your team. Uh, my experience is a, as an entrepreneur over the last six years or something like that, six, maybe six, seven years, has really been uh, working with people is probably the most difficult bit. You know, being able to find the right talent, being able to train them and afterwards kind of do the day-to-day management really uh, really was taking quite a long time. So we kind of joined together. We started, you know, throwing some ideas and we said, you know what, maybe we should do something like this. And I've heard that, uh, people had, um, you know, reverted to services like these before and weren't really happy with the level of service that they were receiving. So we thought, okay, maybe we can do things way better. The fact that we have already a network of, of people who are doing e-commerce, they're very, very successful, uh, prone us to kind of really start pushing this, um, and also, again, that's what you were saying at the very beginning, that mastermind house filled with entrepreneurs. That's where I managed to build those relationships and we've known each other for more than a year. And this is how everything really started with this house, with those same people that were living there. A year, you know, fast, fast forward a year, we're already doing business together. 
<laughs> Such a great story. And I love how you guys came together and built a business to help other entrepreneurs do what you're doing really well. And, and, you know, honestly, like I agree, this stuff takes a lot of work and it's kind of ridiculous to think about doing it all yourself. You have to mm. focus on outsourcing this stuff. It's crazy, right? I mean, Absolutely. Uh, I think as an entrepreneur, I can speak from my, from my experience, but also when I did some coaching one-to-one -one with other or people who are starting out, they, they really think, I think that it's like a very classical entrepreneurial trap that people fall on, uh, into. And they think that they can do everything themselves to the best of their abilities. They're like the, the, the best the person to do a specific task, whether it's order fulfillment or replying to customer emails. And that's simply not the truth. At least that hasn't been my experience. So when I kind of started talking to people and say, maybe we should think about creating SOPs, create some videos of how the actual process should be should look like since you're doing it anyway you might as well start training other people who can actually fill in the time so you can focus on really revenue generating activities rather than just doing uh very repetitive tasks i agree and uh what this kind of reminds me of is a book i was reading the other day um it's actually a bunch of excerpts from russell brunson's podcast called the, the marketing secrets black book i believe or something like that and one of the sections was um hiring a players instead of b players and he's talking about how much better it is in the long run especially to hire a players for your business um even just one of one a player will do the work of he said five or ten or more b players just because of how much better they understand what the task is at hand that needs to be done and how much better they are at task management, project management, communication, all that stuff. Um, what's mm. been your experience with, with outsourcing, um, finding A players versus working with B players and, and trying to manage them? Mm -hmm. Good question. So I started, I think, um, really working with VAs <clears throat> seven or eight years ago, believe it or not, when very, very, like I had no idea. I've never had any management experience. Um, and really it took me quite a lot of years to actually realize it, what most people are actually getting wrong about the hiring process. Most, most people think it's a hiring process and I tend to look at it as more of an elimination process because you, you're gonna have an influx usually of people if you have the right job description written down to the point where it's really appealing and people are actually drawn to it. Um, and afterwards, you really have to put a lot of filters to be able to really find those A players rather than getting B or C players. Um, and all of these mistakes, I had to, you know, learn the hard way, but stuff like, you know, hiring people based on a CV alone, never really having the conversation with them, not understanding where they come from, you know, all the things that they put on their CV, is this actually the case or not? Uh, would you give them a test run to see how they perform it for, you know, say, four to five hours on a task? All those things really took me a long time to really realize, okay, A players is really what I should be aiming for. And I think over the last, the last uh, two years, I've had maybe two VAs that I've, I've worked consistently with just because we, we did the, the hiring process correctly as opposed to just taking them on a CV alone or not doing any tests or um, you know, just doing one interview and afterwards, yeah, sure, let's start working together. It really does take a long time, and I think you're absolutely right. For for you to hire A players, it really, you know, it's okay to invest that extra time to make sure that you're really nailing it with that person that's coming in your team. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think I think the whole process of hiring can be daunting, though, and a lot of business owners, especially new ones that are just getting into outsourcing, um, they know they want it, but they just aren't. They either aren't ready for it, or they don't really want to put in the work to go and and, and spend all the time to. Um, put up the job listing, try to figure out how to make a good one. 
and then actually interview all of them and, and filter through them all and spend all that time. And, and maybe, you know, they, they have some bad hiring experiences or something like that. And, mm, and you mm, know, mm. It, it can be really painful sort of emotionally to have to deal with going through all these different relationships kind of, cause every hire is kind of like a relationship. How do you, how have you dealt with that and like overcome those kinds of, uh, those kind of emotional barriers or, or whatever to, to hiring people and, and, and managing them and stuff like that? Uh, I think for me personally, it was really just experience, really learning. Like I remember the first, the first three months, I probably hired and fired close to 10 VAs for really, really simply very like, like super, super simple tasks. Um, simply because they weren't trustworthy. Again, I take the, a lot of the responsibility. It's not really them. It's really me not actually providing the right uh, filters, the right job descriptions, the right expectations, and the right training for them. So I think when it comes to most, at least most uh, people from my experience, are really kind of shying away from this. They, maybe they're great marketers, but their people skills are a little bit, not, not quite there yet. So I think that tends to usually affect the actual candidates. So um, really, I think have a lot of patience with these things. Like you have to understand the people, you have to make them comfortable. I think is your job as an entrepreneur is really provide this certainty or at least the illusion of certainty of that you're actually getting into a new business. And if I was, you know, if I was interviewing someone, how would I like to feel so I can actually start working for this business? So really having a little bit of empathy, you know, being able to see, you know, being in their shoes and being able to see how it, what, what's their experience like. So uh, understand where the other person is coming from, what it is that they need and how you can create a win-win. That's awesome, man. Great insights there. Um, so what digital hero recruitment does, it looks like to me is you guys actually do all that painstaking work for people, right? You actually go out and you, you look at, um, you look at, you know, VAs and stuff like that, and you figure out, um, if they're good or not. And what a business owner can do is go and hire you guys to do the recruitment for them for, it looks like a one-time fee on your website. Can you explain a little bit more about the service offering behind digital hero recruitment? Sure, no problem. So the whole idea is there is that, you know, online businesses who need staff, but not, not necessarily have the time or maybe they're expanding their business. They don't, they don't have the time to actually go through the whole hustle of actually, you know, hiring, you know, looking through CVs, interviewing people, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole idea there is that we're a one-stop shop for that business owners who are looking to really grow their, uh, the business, uh, can give us a call or one of our account managers is going to get, um, uh, in touch. We'll capture your requirements in terms of what it is specifically that you're looking for. And then we start posting on different, uh, different platforms. We then we go through a rigorous testing process, which would include a couple of filters. Uh, we do pre-screening selection. Afterwards, we, uh, people go through different, uh, different tests like IQ tests, English tests, um, in, um, internet speed, et cetera, et cetera. After that, we have interviews with them to make sure that they are who they, they, they say they are on their CVs and really get some impressions from that. And only then, the, the promise is that within seven days, we'll provide you up to three highly qualified uh, candidates um, for a one-time fee. And for in the unlikely event that you aren't happy with either of them, then within 90 days, we have a, a guarantee that we'll provide you for free with a, a replacement. Excellent. Yeah, it sounds like a great service. And uh, how big has digital recruitment grown since you started it? Is it a pretty big business now? How are you guys doing? Um, we're actually, 
I think four or five people right now that are kind of the core team. And we're looking to actually scale, uh, scale right now. We started uh, approaching quite a lot of uh, influencers and the feedback so far has been great. So we're trying to get even more testimonials, uh, also getting uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of feedback regarding the website and how things should look like. So things are slowly starting to pick up. One of the challenges was really how we can actually um, take, take the influx of customers. So, right. so far we're kind of looking at, at that to, to do it in a sustainable way since more and more people, uh, especially in the e-commerce, when they start growing, they really kind of hit this point of, wow, there's not enough hours in the day for me to do that. So that's when I start really looking for different options and uh, hiring staff. So this is something that we can help. And, so far, we've done, a, I think, a pretty good job. Yeah, I, th I think you guys are doing a great job. What are, your, uh, what are your big goals for the next year or two with Digital Hero Recruitment? Um, how many people do you want to help? And how big do you want to grow this business? I mean, right now, um, this is something actually, funny enough, we're actually talking about right now. Uh, the idea is to, is to be able to grow to at least 20 people in the, the actual team. Whether that happens within this year, I'm not too sure, but I, I definitely see the potential in that. And our business model, the way we kind of set up the business is that everybody's going to be remote. Everybody has KPIs and certain responsibilities that they need to fill. But the idea is when we reach a certain revenue, for example, uh, a goal of, let's say, one, one million, this is kind of still in the, in the works, but we would like to fly everybody to one single location and just really have a, have a blast together, really, you know, uh, put a name to a face, as they say. And being able to sit down with the entire team and just kind of trying to model uh, Empire Flippers, uh, the whole strategy behind how they build their business. We're kind of trying to take a, a chapter from their book. Sure. That's really cool. Yeah, there's so many, uh, you know, SaaS companies and uh, digital marketing agencies that, that are just completely remote teams. It's, it's pretty fascinating. And I, I think it's actually a really, really cool business model. It allows people to work from home or work remotely. And um, mm -hmm. it also kind of brings people into your company that are really cool people, like kind of people just like you and I. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so they end up Absolutely, kind of being yeah. your, like, close friends, not just your employees and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the whole idea. One of the things that I ask uh, people when I try when I interview them for the first time whether it's for my team or for my other businesses um, I really ask okay if, if money wasn't a problem what would you be doing exactly and really try to align their hobbies or their passions how that how the business can help that I, I'm generally believing that a lot of people are saying ah that's you know waste of time but I think it's something worth investing in the long term because ultimately if you're not there you want people who are going to be fighting the battle so I think it really goes beyond the just employer-employee relationship. It's really trying to genuinely build uh, friendships there. Yeah, I agree. I think that a lot that has to do with people's work and like how good the work that they do, it goes beyond just the money that they make. It goes beyond maybe even where they work. It, it, it kind of has to do with like how much they love their work and how much they like the people they're working for and how much they like the clients that they're working with. Um, mm -hmm. and, and friendship goes a long way and just mutual respect, understanding, um, and mutual, uh, uh, likeness, like hobbies and things like that. Things you can talk about, hang out and, and, and discuss. And I think it's a great mm -hmm. idea. You guys are going to do some sort of retreat. Um, that's definitely something that, you know, big companies do and smaller companies should do too. I think, I think what a great way to, uh, to really bring everybody together and to, to enjoy what you do. I think so too. Uh, I think some, some, when I, when I try to speak with people, it's either one of two reactions. 
50% of the people like super inspired. Wow, this like really thinks, oh, this is actually, I'm running a company. It's not just a, a, a Mickey Mouse operation, if you will. And some people are like, why would you invest money to actually fly people to one location? Um, and you know, it's going to be, so, it wouldn't be cost effective. Um, and I always tell people, like there, there was this metaphor that a CFO is asking the CEO, we're spending all this, all this money on people. What if they leave? And the CEO replies, well, what if we spend it and they, what if we don't spend all this money and they stay? You know, so it's like one of those things, like you have to invest in people. It's, it's one of those things that you really uh, want to be able to provide an environment for people that they wake up and they're just really inspired to go there. I know I'm not trying to get like super, you know, happy, happy, clappy, clappy, motivational, but I, I genuinely believe in that, especially if you're trying to do something for the long term. I think uh, it goes a long way to have employees who are happy and fulfilled with what they're doing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, I think it, it also it, it depends on the culture a little bit because I deal with a lot of Filipino VAs and, and Indian VAs and stuff like that. Whereas um, when you outsource to A players, a lot of times you're dealing with actual people in the States, you're dealing with Australians, you're dealing with people in Europe, um, Canada, things like that. So um, what kind of, you know, issues maybe have you dealt with outsourcing to different cultures, maybe lessons that you've learned and, and ways that you've overcome that kind of stuff? Sure. So generally, I've had similar experience to you. I think uh, native speakers are preferably, again, depends on really what type of position. If it's more of a manager position, we tend to go for um, either Eastern Europeans or people who have really, really, or it's their native language and or they, or they had some experience. Uh, generally, I found, and I'm overgeneralizing over here, that's not always the case, but I found that Filipinos tend to be working really well for like very entry positions um, uh, starting out. Uh, they tend to, their work ethic seems to be really, really nice. The only thing is that, uh, that I found, at least from my experience, is that sometimes they're not so reliable. Sometimes something happens with the internet or just all of a sudden everything is fine. The next day they're gone and um, they, afterwards they came back after two weeks without no explanation whatsoever, just like nothing happened. And it's really important to really set the right expectations from the very beginning. Say, look, we're actually running an actual business here. We try to really paint the picture of what's the long-term vision, what's in it for them as part of this to really kind of draw them in rather than, oh, yeah, this is just another you know, side gig that I'm doing here that tomorrow I can leave if someone's paying me an extra dollar more. Um, and... Yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had different experiences with uh, Indian and in Bangladeshi uh, VAs. Sometimes there, there is a bit of a um, language barrier, which, again, I wouldn't necessarily uh, not choose them just because of that, but uh, also the cultural, uh, cultural differences sometimes are quite striking, and you wouldn't necessarily get that from the, their CV, but when you start having an interview and a conversation, even afterwards what we do is we give them a bit of a test run to, to maybe work for three, four hours, then you kind of realize, oh, okay, maybe the expectations aren't where, where reality is, you know? Right. And yeah, I think that that's been kind of the most striking things. People just disappearing for <laughs> no reason afterwards, coming back after a, a week or something. You're just like, what? What the hell happened there? Yeah, it's you're smiling. I, I take it maybe you had similar <laughs> experiences. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. No, I think honestly, you just you just need patience when you're working with Filipino views. Um, and similar <laughs> thing with Indian views. Any any other culture, like there's just language barriers and there's cultural barriers, and there. You know, and you have to just clear communication, like you said, like up front, just let them know, hey, this is what our vision is. This is what our goals are for you. We want you to have similar goals. And as long as that's established in the first place and then, you know, you 
you manage them properly. And, and of course, mm-hmm. like you said, in the very beginning, you had to fire a bunch of them. Like you just have to learn, like if this person just isn't a good fit right off the bat, like within the first mm-hmm. few weeks, they're just dropping out or they're not showing up for work. Like you just have to let them go and find new people. I think that's key to that, that's another mistake actually i i used to uh, you bringing this up and so i remember something i used to like give people second even third chances and afterwards not just because I, I try not to hurt their feelings and i realized okay this is actually costing me way more than it's actually serving me in terms of their time and their input so as soon as you have something like this and you have a conversation if you know, a mistake is repeated or you just see that the performance isn't there. I think it's going to cost you long term more if you keep the person in there rather than if you just sit down and have the, you know, sometimes not so pleasant conversation, but it's, it's just part of the drill, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's a tough conversation to have, but um, the sooner you get used to having those conversations, the easier they are to have, right? I mean, it, in Absolutely. general, like it's just, a, it's just something you have to do as a business owner. Um, and as a business owner, you should start getting used to this kind of stuff. Yeah, it is kind of scary in the first place, especially if you, if you really like people and you're afraid of hurting mm. people, you know, mm. like, certain, um, uh, it, it can be very, it can be a very painful process having to let somebody go, but you have to understand that like, there's tons of workers out there and there's tons of companies hiring jobs all the time. You're not ruining somebody's life. You just, they're not a good fit for your company or your company's mm-hmm. not a good fit for them. You just have to let them go. And, um, find somebody better. And there's some, there's always going to be somebody out there who's got a better work ethic or they they just want to work more. Um, They want it Mm -hmm. more than the other person does. And, you know, and that's the person that you should go for the person with the good attitude that has a good enough skill set for the, for the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. I I always try, even though again, the the conversation, I always try to give a little bit of constructive feedback. The reasons why I'm letting you go, it's, you know, based on logic and based on facts rather than just like my gut feeling, oh, I didn't like you or something like that. So always try to to leave the person something with something when they leave. So they're not just like, oh, I just got sacked. (laughs) That makes 100% sense. I think that's a great idea. And of course, very uh, respectful towards the the employer, the VA, Um, you know, hopefully they can grow from that and uh, Mm -hmm. improve next experience that they have um yeah it's it's a long journey doing this stuff but with i mean it's almost like essential to building a real business you know like moving from that self-employed life to that business owner life um you know it requires this kind of giant leap of faith in other human beings to help you out (laughs) and without it what you know what are you going to do to build a business right a real business Uh, absolutely. I, I, I've seen quite a lot of people who are kind of uh, one man band type type of business and, you know, they're, they're doing okay for themselves. But um, I always say that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, go with someone else. So um, the moment I think people start realizing this, the moment they're going to see a lot more kind of results in their business. Sure, they might get a bit of headache because working with people is not as always easy. But um, I think that's what you want to do if you want to build something that's long, you know, for the long term, that's sustainable, then can genuinely have an impact on other people's lives. Uh, Not saying that everybody should be aiming for something like this, but that's what I found to be kind of a a formula. 100% agree. I think that at some point, your business, you start reaching a ceiling and without hiring extra help that you just aren't going to scale beyond that. Um, You don't want to go crazy. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that sounds great. Um, DigitalHeroRecruitment.com uh, is the website, you guys, if you want to check that out. And um, if, if somebody wants to hire you, um, what's the first step that they should do to get in contact with you? 
that. So sure, they can either schedule a call or they can send us a, an email. Then what's going to happen afterwards? Uh, we'll send a, a short survey so people can actually fill in the requirements, what it is specifically that they're looking for, and really just the uh, the nitty gritty of the actual uh, job description that they're looking for. Uh, after after which, one of our account managers is going to be in contact with them just to kind of capture their uh, requirements, uh, have a, a you know a short conversation, what it is exactly that they're looking for in case they, we miss something in the survey. And afterwards, the whole promise is within seven days, we delivered up to three qualified candidates for you to interview. And if, if you like all three of them, then you just do all three of them. Cool. Sounds great. So again, the website, you guys, uh, listeners out there, it's digitalherorecruitment.com. If you're interested, they have a contact link on there. Um, the email address is info at digitalherorecruitment.com. Uh, uh, you guys are on Facebook as well, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so uh, you guys can find them. Uh, just type Digital Hero Recruitment into the search mm -hmm. bar and yep. uh, give them a like. I just hit that like button myself. So. <laughs> thank you, sir. Yeah, you <laughs> thank got it. You. And I just really, really uh, wanted to thank you for this call. I think um, you guys have tons of value to offer, and I think your business is really going to do well and go far. And I'm excited to see uh, the journey and the progress. Maybe we'll have a follow-up call in another six months or a year or something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks again to you and also to your listeners for taking the time and actually listening to this. Hopefully this has been of, of value. And if we can help with something, then I'll be more than happy to. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for being on, Pav, and talk to you next time. Thank you, sir.